I actually remember as a younger person judging women who got boob jobs specifically. I mean, now I'd say like, you know, it's really about the BBL. <laughs> I was like, okay, if you get your boobs or your butt, you're not even trying to be prettier. You're just trying to be more of a sexually desirable object. Meanwhile, I was completely benefiting off of the size of my breasts and my own body and sexuality. So totally double standard there. This is Emrata Asks, can you be a feminist and get plastic surgery? Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of High Low with Emrata. This is an Emrata Asks episode where I pose a question and investigate it. Today, I'm asking, can you be a feminist and get plastic surgery? I'm really fascinated with the concept of being a good feminist versus a bad feminist and how our personal decisions and how we live our lives and how we present ourselves in the world can contradict or not align with politics and how that somehow takes away the badge of honor of being a good feminist. It's something I think about a lot because it's something that people have accused me of. It's essentially being a bad feminist and saying I shouldn't talk about certain things because of how I present myself. I'm really fascinated by it. I feel like we're going to be talking about it a lot, but today specifically we're looking at plastic surgery. I think that there's a line that a lot of us have about what we feel comfortable doing to appeal to the male gaze. We all respond to sort of beauty standards in our culture differently. There are women who don't feel comfortable wearing tight clothing. There are women who feel comfortable just curling their eyelashes or shaving their legs. There are women who feel good about wearing a shit ton of makeup, but they might be women who wouldn't want to get plastic surgery, or maybe you're okay with getting Botox, but you would never get surgery. So I think there's a constant negotiation that we have internally about what we're okay with, what makes us feel comfortable, and like good feminists. It's something I think about all the time. Honestly, when I get dressed in the morning, I'm like, okay, this outfit's sexy. What does that mean about how I'm appealing or playing into the male gaze and validation from men. But this episode, I'm going to be referencing a specific essay by one of my favorite writers, Melissa Fabos. She wrote this piece for the New York Times Magazine. It's entitled, The Feminist Case for Breast Reduction. Melissa Fabos was a dominatrix for many years. She developed breasts very, very early. She writes about that in her book, Girlhood, which I recommend. She decides to get a breast reduction and she considers herself a lifelong feminist. And it's about the negotiation and sort of the contradiction she feels between her personal decision to modify her body and also her politics. So I find that fascinating. We're gonna talk about the line that we all have, that subjective line of what we're okay with and how we wanna present ourselves in that negotiation. I'll be referencing this essay a lot. And then also I'm gonna be talking about the evolution of how we think about plastic surgery, the destigmatization of plastic surgery and cosmetic procedures via TikTok and celebrity. Let's get into it. Stay tuned for more High Low with Emrata. This episode is brought to you by Sax.com. At Sax.com, it's easy to find your new vibe. 
Dive into the Western trend with gold cowboy boots from Stott. Or go full 90s throwback with platforms from Prada. You can shop for everything on your agenda. Whether it's a breezy Zimmerman dress for a garden party or a bright Chloe blazer for brunch. Find inspiration for your new vibe. Every day at Saks.com. Welcome back to High Low with Emrata. There's a particular essay I read by this amazing writer, Melissa Fabos, who wrote this really great book called Girlhood. I recommend to everyone, if you read my book of essays and you're interested in talking about beauty standards and women's bodies as they develop and how they're perceived in the world, this is the book for you. She's an amazing writer. She also wrote another book called Body Work, The Radical Power of Personal Narrative. I highly recommend her. But this is an essay called The Feminist Case for Breast Reduction. And it's about her personal experience with getting plastic surgery, getting a breast reduction, and how she went through dealing with her identity as a feminist while also altering her body cosmetically. And it was a cosmetic choice. It wasn't a physical, there wasn't a necessity to it. And actually, we were just having a conversation in the studio right before this. Some of the ladies were saying like, a breast reduction doesn't feel problematic in the same way a boob job does. I really like the idea, and I'm probably going to talk about this a lot on the pod in general, of what is a bad feminist and what makes somebody a good or bad feminist. And the culture inside feminism that isn't talked about that much, where you've learned all these ideas about patriarchy and power and beauty standards and women, and then you live your life. Like I think Roxanne Gay talks about it really well in Bad Feminist, her book, Bad Feminist, which is also an amazing book where she's like, I listen to these rap songs and I love them and I want to like shake my ass and whatever. But the lyrics are terribly misogynistic. It's funny, actually, I recently sent my friend some Bad Bunny music and he was like, I don't know if you know the lyrics to these. I'm not sure if you'd like these songs. And I was like, I still like them. And I do know the lyrics, even if they're in Spanish, because I love him so much. So today I want to talk about being a bad feminist in regards to cosmetic surgery. We're going to start with one of the quotes in the beginning of her essay. This was for New York Times Magazine, which I think really speaks to the kind of shame that women feel around wanting their body to be different, which is so sad because I think we're so focused on beauty standards and knowing how we want to alter ourselves, which is not a positive thing. But then we feel bad for wanting to look different. She says, for most of my life, I desperately wanted my body to be different. And I also understood the obsession as a shortcoming, as a failure to be a real feminist. I thought that I needed to accept my body, to love my body and find it beautiful, to successfully reject the internalized messaging of the patriarchal culture. My shame signified a personal failure at this. So interesting, like that feminism, even though it's given us all these tools to understand why we don't love our bodies and don't embrace them and want to look different and do all these things, it also has made us feel guilty for wanting to alter or adjust or change ourselves. This is another quote that she has. Even by my early 20s, the only people I knew who'd done it were friends who worked in the sex industry for whom it seemed a professional investment rather than a personal one. AK, she wanted some kind of an excuse. Melissa Fabos was a dominatrix for many years. And I think what she's saying here is she could justify changing her body or altering her body if it was going to provide cash or there was like a hard 
finite reason that wasn't just because she wanted to look different because that felt shameful. Because what Melissa Febos is saying in this essay is that for her, the idea of altering her body for a long time would have been failure as a feminist. I do think of myself as a feminist, but right now as I'm talking to you, I'm wearing a mini dress and I have highlighter on and I have lip gloss and I drew some freckles on my face even to, you know, look young and fresh. I actually remember as a younger person judging women who got boob jobs specifically. I mean, now I'd say like, you know, it's really about the BBL. <laughs> I was like, okay, if you get your boobs or your butt, you're not even trying to be prettier. You're just trying to be more of a sexually desirable object. Meanwhile, I was completely benefiting off of the size of my breasts and my own body and sexuality. So totally double standard there. What I was thinking about around this is where's the line? I'm thinking about that line that we all draw of, okay, I'm okay with wearing mascara and I'm okay with wearing lip liner. And someone would be like, but I would never contour because that's crazy to me, faking it, which you're entitled to your opinion. But ultimately, that's just made up. <laughs> like you've just decided that you are culturally okay and have less of an issue with making your eyelashes look fuller than defining the way your nose looks. And ultimately, all of these things are playing into the same beauty standard. I think it's a personal line that we draw. And I think plastic surgery for a lot of women is on one side. But ultimately, kind of anything we do to enhance our appearance, whether that just be putting on mascara or wearing a tight t-shirt instead of a big sweater, is on the same sliding scale. And Melissa Fabos talks about this too. She said, I knew that as a woman, I was permitted by social conventions to modify my body only in certain ways. I could get manicures, shave and wax off half my body hair, maintain a hairstyle, exercise for hours daily, yada, yada, we know all the things we do. She basically says, any elective cosmetic surgery was too extreme and that there's a stigma around it and it's shameful to get plastic surgery in that way. She says this, she says it again. She found lots of loopholes. She calls them loopholes. And that permitted me to do things I would have thought off limits at 13. And I think that's true. The first time I got Botox, I remember being like, if my mom knew that I was getting Botox, she would lose it. Like she would not be able to handle it. But I think times have changed. The culture I live in, New York City, LA, everyone gets Botox. I like started Botox relatively late compared to a lot of my friends. My mom would have been horrified. And I think a lot of women would be like, what? 27 years old, you got something injected into your face. Why would you do that? But it's all relative, right? Because it's just a new technique to make you look younger and more beautiful. I want to talk more about how that line has changed generationally and culturally, even in just the last couple of years. And we'll talk about that right after this break. Stay tuned for more High Low with M. Radden. This episode is brought to you by Sax.com. At Saks.com, it's easy to find your new vibe. Dive into the Western trend with gold cowboy boots from Stott. Or go full 90s throwback with platforms from Prada. You can shop for everything on your agenda. Whether it's a breezy Zimmerman dress for a garden party or a bright Chloe blazer for brunch. Find inspiration for your new vibe. Every day at Saks.com. 
Welcome back to High Low with Emrata. Welcome back. So now I want to talk a little bit about how we are accepting of plastic surgery, how this has changed. The first example I want to use is nose job check on TikTok. You have so many really young kids showing their nose jobs and it's amazing. Honestly, like I, it's fascinating because people really look different and some would say better. And also we have people just like showing off their plastic surgery on TikTok in a way that is really unabashed and it's almost like informative, which is another reason why I love TikTok. But people are getting work done in a way that they've never done before. It's very normal for your average person to have, average woman, I should say, plastic surgery, which was not true for my mom's generation. We were talking earlier about how my mom would be horrified or I think would have been horrified to know that I got Botox. Hi, mom. Also in celebrity culture, Charlie D'Amelio has talked about having a nose job. Bella Hadid has talked about having a nose job. Cardi B talks about all the plastic surgery she's had. She's quite open about it, like mommy makeover style. Nicki Minaj talked about getting her butt done, like after being in Lil Wayne's studio and seeing all these girls with these big asses coming through and realizing she wanted that. Lana Rhodes has talked about getting butt injections. Mia Khalifa I actually love how Mia Khalifa talks about her boob jobs because, or her boob, actually she's had multiple boob jobs, but just being super open and being like, listen, ladies, you look at my body and, you know, think this is what you want. And it's just natural. It's not, this is silicone. Kaylee Cuoco from the Big Bang Fairy, she's been very open. She said she had a nose job, breast augmentation. She says the best thing she ever did and a round of fillers. And she said, as much as you want to love your inner self, I'm sorry, you also want to look good. And she said, I don't think you should do it for a man or anyone else, but if it makes you feel confident, that's amazing. But I also want to say, I, I know a lot of people get really pissed at the Kardashians and women for not being open about the work they've done. I don't necessarily think that women need to be open about the work they've done. It's a personal, private decision. And I think, again, I feel like that's just another way of putting it on women for like enforcing beauty standards when we're all subject to the same beauty standards. And I feel like there's a right to privacy there if you choose to. What I'm more saying by pointing out these celebrities and the work they've done and the openness that they're having around it is that the culture's changing. It's more accepting. People feel okay talking about those things, not just because they're so brave, but because it's also, it's understood in a new way. Plastic surgery does feel more extreme than going to get a manicure or deciding to get Botox or even just putting on makeup. But I don't know that it is really when you think about it, because it's ultimately just another way of wanting to feel good about yourself. And that's kind of what I liked about the Kaylee quote, because what she's saying is, listen, this is ultimately about choice. And if I want to do it for myself, then I want to do it for myself. And this is something I've talked about a lot. And it's hard because the truth of the matter is a lot of the things that make us feel good about ourselves are things that we think men would like. And that's just the culture and the world we live in. But I guess what I don't love is that then women have this burden and shame of being like, not only do I need to be aware of the way that I'm being oppressed, I also need to be totally okay with myself, reject all beauty standards. And I don't believe that we should be carrying that. Melissa Fabos talks about this really well, back to her sort of kind of predicament in this piece, which is she walks in this doctor's office and it's like a male plastic surgeon, but everything's been 
built and even just the room is meant to appeal to women. And most plastic surgeons are men. And she's like, God, this is exactly what every feminist would say about plastic surgery, which is that it's just a complete way of falling on your knees to the patriarchy. But she's also happy to be there. I just don't think that you can say that we should be judging women for what they're doing. And I'm going to use another Melissa Fabos quote. She's talking about this contemporary feminist theorist, Kathy Davis, wrote in 1991 that cosmetic surgery was regarded as an extreme form of medical misogyny, producing and reproducing the pernicious and pervasive cultural themes of deficient femininity. The woman who yielded to the desire to commit such violence to her body was a, quote, cultural dope. Yeah, and it says, afflicted by false consciousness, believing she made a personal choice while actually yielding to a system that controls and oppresses women. This is something that's been lobbied against me a lot in my life, particularly when I was younger and I did blurred lines and I was like, no, I'm a feminist because I chose it. A lot of people were like, oh, what a dumbass because she doesn't realize she's perpetuating these beauty standards, the sexualization, the male gaze, and she thinks she's a feminist. Is there anything worse? But I just think that there's misogyny baked into that. I think about the way we look at women who have had plastic surgery. If you see a woman who's clearly altered her face, her figure, there is shame around it. There's this kind of feeling that if you can pass and it can look natural, it's like how men relate to makeup. Like if you can make it seem like you have no makeup on, wear as much makeup as you want. We'll put a side by side of a celebrity 10 years before and 10 years after and we're like, you can tell that the celebrity looks objectively better in the second picture, but there's this sort of shaming that goes with those before and after pictures of look at all the work she's done. And listen, I'm always fascinated and interested by those things. I'm not saying anybody should feel bad or not look at those, but I do think those before and after plastic surgery pictures really speak to our obsession with kind of being like, it's fake and shaming the women who've gotten that work done. This is something that really comes up around trans women and how they identify and passing as feminine. This is another quote that I really like from Julia Serrano. She writes in Excluded that in our culture, feminine appearances are more blatantly and routinely judged by society than masculine ones. No shit. It is also driven by the fact that connotations such as artificial, contrived, and frivolous are practically built into our cultural understanding of femininity. This particular form of sexism, this is Melissa Fabos now, is instrumental in the trans-misogynistic double bind, wherein trans women are faced with the pressure, in addition to their own personal desires, to have surgery in order to prove their femaleness and assure their physical safety, aka passing. They want to be feminized so that they can not be judged as a trans person, which protects them, while they are damned post-surgery for the perceived artifice of their gender. I have a friend who's trans who's gotten a lot of feminization surgeries in the last couple of years, and she's working a lot more, and she definitely like passes as a woman in a way that she didn't before. But there is this sort of feeling of oh my God, what has she had done around her? And for trans women, this is really specifically, it's about protecting their lives and being in danger. If they're passing as heteronormative women, then they're more likely to be safe. But on the other hand, you have this kind of shaming of, oh my God, all these procedures they've had to do that as if those are shameful and bad in themselves. So they really are in this double bind and can't win. What trans women go through is also what women go through, which is just damned if you do, damned if you don't. There's this great Margaret Atwood quote that I think about a lot where she says, even pretending you aren't catering to male fantasies is a male fantasy. 
So I think the idea is everything is a reaction to the male gaze. Everything is a reaction to patriarchy. Hopefully I grabbed you guys with this question of, can you be a feminist and have plastic surgery? But I think that question in itself is problematic. I don't think we should fault women for perpetuating the male gaze. It's the reality of the world we live in. And I think that there's something really easy about the stigmatization of going under the knife and the shame around it. Don't women have enough to be ashamed of already? I don't believe in bad feminists, period. So can you be a feminist and get cosmetic surgery? I think the answer is absolutely yes. I'm really looking forward to continuing this conversation and hearing what this episode made you think about your own relationship to plastic surgery, maybe your own experiences, what your line is. My mom actually didn't shave her armpits for most of my life, and that was something that she chose to do in response to the women's movement in the 60s, but she also wore a bra and she wore makeup, and I think that line for everyone is so different. One of the most exciting parts of doing this podcast is that it's going to be a conversation with you. So you all can submit your thoughts, your personal anecdotes, whatever the episode or the conversation from that week has made you think about. I want to hear from you. I don't want it to just be me talking to myself. So subscribe to that subscription episode. And I'm curious how you guys respond, what personal decisions you make on a day-to-day basis, whether that be something like plastic surgery or just how you do your makeup or how you get dressed and what that's like, that negotiation you have of, am I being a good feminist or feeling bad about yourself for wanting to look a certain way and play into something? And we're probably going to talk a lot about this on the pod. What kind of personal obligation do you have to, to fight the patriarchy? You can follow me at mrata, E-M-R-A-T-A. Send me DMs, questions, thoughts, any of that stuff. Thank you so much for tuning in. High Low with Emrata is a Sony Music Entertainment, Bitch Era Media, and Something Else production produced by Chelsea Jacobson. Our executive producers are me, Emily Radikowski, and Sarita Wesley. Our senior producer is Medina Parwana, and our associate producer is Rachel Choder. Today's episode was engineered by Samantha Gatsik, with original music by The Crystal Pharaoh. Thanks for listening. <laughs>